you and me and BPD. Season three, episode one. The basics revisited. So the very first podcast episode I ever made was a very short episode about the basics of BPD. And I was really nervous. I think you can hear it in my voice that I wasn't entirely comfortable talking yet. (laughs) Um, And over my break from this podcast, uh, I revisited some of my old episodes because I wanted to hear what I thought and what I said. And I feel like that first episode was, it is the shortest of all the ones that I've made, but I also feel like there is a lot of information that I kind of left out and some more information that I've learned along the way that might be important to include. So today's episode is going to be about revisiting what are the basics, meaning where did BPD come from? I'm really interested myself in how was it diagnosed? Like, how did it come about as its own distinct uh, mental illness? What are some of the symptoms? And what are some of the comorbid diagnoses that can exist with BPD? Because there seems to be quite a lot. I'm going to touch a little bit on some of the controversies around BPD because depending on where you look on the internet, you'll get so many people saying so many different things about what PBD is and whether or not it's a valid diagnosis. Um, So I'm going to touch on those a little bit, but this is really just going to be, if you are learning about BPD, if you feel like you might have BPD, maybe this can provide a little bit of context. So let's just jump into it and start at the very beginning. So in 1938, in the U.S., a psychologist named Adolf Stern started to realize that in some of the patients he was treating, there seemed to be this kind of growing set of people who he described as existing somewhere in between the effects of psychosis and neurosis. So psychosis is a loss of contact with reality. This can result in hallucinations, loss of motivation, confusion, or agitation in your life. Um, Psychosis is often uh, characterized or similar to what you would experience if you were schizophrenic. So this can create dissociation in the body, depersonalization, or even derealization. And... Adolf Stern was treating people with psychosis, but he also recognized that some of them experienced neurosis. So so neurosis used to be a kind of diagnosis that you could be given, and it was where you were codependent. You had a need for validation. It often stemmed from developmental and biological circumstances. So the way you were raised or um, how your parents treated you. And so Adolf Stern started to realize that there were patients who were experiencing both of these, psychosis and neurosis. And one of the interesting things that he found was it was a rapid switch. So sometimes people would be in a more psychosis type of state and then rapidly come out of that. And maybe they'd be in a neurotic state 
and then they'd come out of that. So he coined the term borderline personality disorder because he saw that it wasn't necessarily one or the other. It was somewhere in the middle. A couple of years later, in 1975, two therapists named Gerdensten and Kolb began to notice symptoms in some of the people that they were working with, and they were the ones who really set up the nine symptoms that we think about when we think about borderline personality. They started to see that there were symptoms such as an unstable self-image, potentially due to this rapid switching between psychosis and neurosis. They started to realize that there were rapid mood changes in their patients, and especially there was a strong tendency towards suicidal ideation and self-harm. And when we look at the nine symptoms that are used today to diagnose borderline personality disorder, it hasn't really changed since 1975. (laughs) So this is a mental illness that has been around for a very long time. And according to uh, research and kind of looking at what people look up about mental illness, BPD is one of those things that is really researched and um, a lot of different places have a lot of different people asking questions about what BPD is. And because of that, there seems to be a, a kind of misunderstanding about what people with BPD are like. And that's kind of one of the stigmas that we face. A lot of people will, I've gotten messages from people who have said that their therapists have said, I don't want to diagnose you with BPD. I don't want to put that on your record. And that's valid because there are a lot of cases where people just, especially in therapy, um, people just hear BPD or hear that you might have BPD and suddenly that changes how they look at you. And part of that stems from the fact that the nine symptoms that are present within you when you get diagnosed are kind of hard. (laughs) They sound kind of intense. So the first one um, that goes hand in hand with another one of the symptoms, so I'm just going to call them number one and two, are a deep fear of abandonment combined most likely with a um, number two, a chronic feeling of emptiness. So everybody will fear abandonment. It's natural right? You don't want your relationships to end. You don't want your friendships to end. You don't want your job to fall apart. But when we talk about a deep fear of abandonment, that might mean that you go out of your way to try to keep people, to not lose people, so much so that it it literally and physically aches for you when you are not around this person. And this can contribute to the chronic feeling of emptiness because you might feel like there's a part within you that is never going to be full. And it is only by this person or this friend or even your family being around that you can feel not empty. And emptiness is a really hard feeling to deal with. And and I've talked about it before. And it is not something that just goes away. It is something that you have to work on. 
And so these kind of two feelings are kind of always in you. It's it's like one feeds the other. Your fear of abandonment feeds this fear of emptiness and vice versa, which often will lead to another symptom, which is an unstable or intense relationships. And these are relationships, again, not only in a romantic sense, but also in a friendship or even in a relationship with your teachers or your families. And when we talk about unstable, intense relationships, it might be jealousy that comes about. It might be this this need to be around this other person. It might even be toxic relationships that we put ourselves in because we are so afraid to be abandoned and to be alone. Or we're so afraid that this person will abandon us that we might put ourselves in situations that are really not safe for us, which leads to (laughs) impulsive or often risky behavior. So a lot of people with BPD struggle with addiction. They struggle with not knowing how to control themselves when they take certain substances or even in certain things like shopping or treating themselves not the greatest. There's a lot of instances of anorexia and bulimia and various eating disorders when it comes to people with BPD. And often this stems from a need to control yourself and kind of not being able to recognize that what you're doing is bad for you. Or if you do recognize that, feeling like you can't go on with life without whatever it is that you're doing. This can often lead to rapid changes in self-identity or image, which is another symptom. And when we talk about that, it could mean that maybe when you're with certain people, you are completely different, so much so that you might not even recognize yourself. Or you might feel like you are on top of the world and no one can touch you and you are the best thing that's ever happened to the people around you. And then maybe someone says something about the way you look or someone mentions something that you said and suddenly you feel like your whole self-worth and image is completely destroyed. I experience a lot of not knowing who I am. Even when I look at photos of myself sometimes, I'm just like, who, who is that person? Like, I literally cannot remember taking the photo. I cannot remember what I was doing that got me to there. And I think that when we talk about self-image and self-identity, it also stems to who am I? And sometimes that's the scariest question of all because you're like, I don't even know. And I can't even begin to understand. Which can, once again, take us to another symptom, which is paranoia or dissociation from reality. So dissociation, the easiest way to explain it is, have you ever felt like you just are in a dream? Like maybe you're out somewhere or even just eating food, eating dinner with your family, and suddenly maybe things start to get a little bit blurry and you feel like 
you're not in your body anymore. You're kind of an observer of what is happening. That's dissociation. And a lot of people experience dissociation. Once again, all of these symptoms are things that people, almost everybody, experiences. It's just the combination of them in one person characterizes what is commonly known as BPD. So everybody will experience dissociation at some point in their life, whether it's because of a traumatic event or it's because of something that happens to them that they just cannot process. But there's this kind of, the thing about BPD is this kind of rapid changes and also continued dissociation or continued paranoia. And that might mean that you suddenly don't trust the people you're with or you suddenly don't want to be around the people with, that you're with because suddenly you feel this sense of they're going to hurt me, something's going to go wrong, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And that might trigger you into the next part, which is intense anger or rage. And this isn't just anger like, oh, your friend hurt you and now you're mad at them. This can be anger such as punching walls, throwing things, saying horrible things that you would never say otherwise. (laughs) Feeling, um, I've seen it talked about as this kind of like, just this wanting to hurt somebody, whether that's physically, emotionally, or mentally. And I've experienced that. It's almost like you black out with how angry you are and and that can sometimes lead into the dissociation sometimes you feel like you're not even yourself anymore and you're just this angry person filled with all of this emotion that's bubbling up inside of you and maybe that means that you self-harm or you experience suicide ideation which is very common in the bpd community suicide ideation is one of those things that It can be passive, right? Like just maybe saying, I don't want to be here right now. Or it can be intentful. And that's where we need to get help. And we need to be willing to talk about our mental health, our mental health and what's going on with us. Same with self-harm. Self-harm, most commonly people think about, you know, using various tools to cut your skin, but self-harm can also be restricting your food It can be hitting yourself against a wall or hitting your head with your hand. Self-harm can come in very many different ways. Um, You might self-harm by using the substances you're addicted to. And one of the main things about this is one of the most common things about BPD is the rap the rapid rate at which you might change and it's it's almost scary (laughs) it is sometimes terrifying because you can sometimes feel this intense amount of anger which then leads to this intense feeling that you're lonely and empty and you're never going to be happy again and then suddenly everything's fine and you look around you and you've made a mess of the people in your life and you're just like, I'm fine though. (laughs) Like, whatever. I'm chill. And that's hard. 
it is hard to deal with this kind of sense of not knowing where you're going to end up and not knowing what is going to happen in those intense times. And one of the main things that I think people often forget is we are people living with borderline personality disorder. That is not all we are. You know, we have hobbies, some of us. We have people that we love. We have things that we like to do. But sometimes our mental health, this this rapid change, gets in the way of all of that, which can contribute back to our fear of abandonment and our chronic emptiness and our rapid changes in self-identity or image. And so all of this creates kind of like a storm. It's almost like we're standing in the middle of this hurricane, just watching everything happen around us. And sometimes it can feel like we have no power. So what do we do? What do we do with that information? Maybe you've been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, or you know someone who's been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Well, the most common form of treatment for BPD is a form of therapy called dialectical behavioral therapy. And essentially what it is, is it takes our intense brains and it says, instead of going from one extreme to the other, let's try to find a middle ground. In BPD, I made an episode about this before, there's this idea of black and white thinking of everything's awesome or everything's absolutely gone to shit and the whole world is imploding within me. And sometimes it can be really hard to find the neutral ground. And so DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, is this kind of working through the mind and the triggers and the parts of ourselves that feel so disconnected and disjointed and trying to figure out where we can find a middle ground. This is the most common form of therapy that is often used for people with BPD. And it can be done in group form, which a lot of people really enjoy, or it can be done one-on-one. And what's really awesome is there's a bunch of workbooks available on Amazon and other therapeutic places. So if, if you're interested in looking into this kind of therapy, there are many resources out there that could help you to understand a little bit more what that is. Another common treatment for DBT or for BPD is to go on some type of uh, medication. Right now, there isn't a medication specifically for borderline personality disorder. But since borderline personality disorder can have a comorbid diagnosis, meaning most people are diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and something else. Like I am diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and autism and social anxiety, right? Like that's, that's what I experience. So most people are diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and something else. Most often it is depression and anxiety. And so what can happen is we can go on medication to help the experiences that we feel related to our other diagnoses. For instance, if you are depressed, anti-borderline personality disorder, you might go on antidepressants. You might go on an SSRI, um, like 
uh, Lexapro or Sertraline or Prozac, or you might go on a anxiety medication. Some people with borderline personality disorder also have bipolar disorder, and they find that a lot of the time the medication that helps bipolar disorder helps them with their borderline personality disorder. So there is medication. It's not specific for borderline personality disorder, but you can talk to your doctor and figure out what is the best thing for you. Um, also, one of the number one things we can do is just be honest with people. So much of the time I get messages from people who say that they can't be honest. They don't know who to turn to. They feel like no one in their life will understand them. And it's important that we find people, whether it's friends or family members or partners, but we find people who will support us and understand what we're going through. Maybe they can't understand it completely, right? Like I've been doing this podcast for two years. I first got diagnosed in 2016. So it's coming on six years now that I've had this diagnosis and there's still people in my life who don't fully understand. But I can say I'm really struggling right now. And maybe that means my best friend is able to help or my husband who you've heard a couple of times (laughs) over the past couple of years. So I think it's really important to, to be honest with people in our lives and to find community, whether that's through discord or Reddit, or I would say TikTok, but TikTok's a whole other thing. Um, (laughs) But find community, find people who support you and who can understand what you're going through. One of the kind of good parts of borderline personality is when you are able to get into therapy, which therapy is hard to get into, I completely understand that there's a whole barriers to access depending on how much money you make, depending on if you can find a therapist that will work with you. As I mentioned, borderline personality disorder is highly stigmatized in the therapeutic community. And so sometimes they call us therapy resistant which I could kind of see why. I mean, it's really hard to get somebody who is just beginning to take ownership over their lives and the things that happen to them. Because honestly, one of the things about borderline personality disorder is most people who have it have a history of abusive relationships or have a history of not um, getting what they needed from their parents, not feeling like they can trust people, having this sense of paranoia about people. So sometimes when you go into a therapist that you've never met before, you might feel like they're just going to judge you or they are judging you or they don't care about you really. And it's hard, you know, it's hard to open up to someone. So therapy is one of those things that is really important for you to, to understand yourself but it's also a tool for you to get to a place where you can actually start to work on your own stuff by yourself. Because I truly believe that it is important for us to be mindful of our ways of being. And sometimes we need somebody else to bounce ideas off of. I was in therapy for about two and a half years and I really enjoyed my time. And by the end of it, I realized that I had learned a lot and I could start taking care of myself. And one of the great things about, or one of the great things that therapy has done, that research has found, is 50% of people who have been diagnosed with BPD will actually move away from the diagnosis in about five to 10 years. 
depending on how much therapy they're able to get, depending on if they are surrounded by supportive people and loving people, and depending on how much work they put in to, you know, get their mood under control, to get their kind of way of being under control. This doesn't mean that you're cured. It just means that you're not experiencing the rapid changes or the intensity of BPD. So you might move away from that diagnosis. And for some people, that's what they want. They don't want to be <laughs> diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And that's totally fine. I have been diagnosed now three times <laughs> by three separate people. So I'm pretty sure that's what I have. <laughs> Which brings us to the controversies around borderline personality. There are so many so many different opinions about what borderline personality is, if it's a valid diagnosis, if we should be diagnosing, you know, people who are 18 years and younger. I am of the belief that if you are if you are still a teenager, you should not be diagnosed with this, mainly because I found that when you're a teenager, you you do experience so much right? And while borderline a diagnosis of borderline personality could help you, it could also make you kind of struggle even more with the impulsivity and the risky behavior and self-harm. And sometimes people take this identity and they attach themselves to it and that feeds into their sense of abandonment and their sense of I'm never going to get better. And I don't think that anybody, you know, whether you were diagnosed as a, even like a young teenager or whether you were diagnosed at 20 or 22 like I was, I don't think that anybody should take a diagnosis and just say, this is all I am and this is all I'm ever going to be. And unfortunately that seems to happen with the younger generation. It seems to be this kind of, I have borderline personality disorder and that's all I'm ever going to be. And and that's not true. It's not. Your mental health is not the only thing that is special about you or that is the only thing that defines you. One of the goals of this podcast is to show that there are beautiful aspects to borderline personality disorder. The fact that we can feel so elated and so in love and we can give our whole to our friends and to the people that we choose to have in our life that's a beautiful thing but we also need to understand that there are people out there who will take this identity take this mental illness and that's all they will associate themselves with and that in itself is dangerous because statistically people with borderline personality disorder have some of the highest rates of suicide across cluster B personality disorders, which means bipolar, schizophrenia, um, I think it's OCD, some other disorders according to the DSM-5. We have some of the highest rates of suicide and that's a very it's a very intense thing that we need to acknowledge when we talk about whether or not should be diagnosed at a young age, whether or not it is a diagnosis. Some people think that borderline personality disorder is just a form of PTSD because a lot of us experience childhood trauma. 
some people think that it is just a form of autism and in my understanding at least i can see where my autistic side is and my borderline personality side is i can see the differences between them other people think that it is you know just hysteria and unfortunately because a lot of women the majority of people with borderline personality disorder happen to be women some people think that it is just a sexist treatment and sexist diagnosis and that's really up to you to make your own decision my main thing that i want to do with this podcast is to just create a space for us to learn from each other for us to connect and for us to realize that there's a lot of us out there whether we're diagnosed or not whether we were misdiagnosed as having something else like i was misdiagnosed as having generalized anxiety disorder before they started to really see (laughs) the intensity of what i was dealing with and a lot of people do get misdiagnosed or will sometimes, as I mentioned, be told, I don't want to give you this diagnosis because I don't, I don't think that it works for you. So whether you have a diagnosis or you're seeking a diagnosis or you're just starting to unpack your mental health, I hope you know that you are valid and this disorder is a disorder. It is a chronic mental illness. You will most likely experience mental illness things, (laughs) situations for most of your life. And the easier it becomes to accept that you cannot go back and change, go back in time and change what happened to you. You cannot take away the trauma that you carry. You cannot necessarily control yourself all the time. The easier that it is to accept that, the easier that it is to begin to unpack why you are this way and how you came to have this misunderstood diagnosis. That's where I'm going to end it today. And... I think in the next episode, I'm going to talk about how I experience my autism and how I experience borderline personality disorder, because that's been something I've been kind of learning more about as I've kind of sat and unpacked what it what it means to have this comorbid diagnosis. But as always, if you want to reach out, if you want to comment, if you have any questions or you know, you just want to send me some love because I'm a human being and I I like love. (laughs) Um, Please reach out to me on my Instagram at journey, J-O-U-R-N-E-Y dot bound, B-O-U-N-D. And I would be so happy to talk to you because I spend a lot of my time alone. (laughs) And that's something I struggle with is feeling alone. So you're so interested or you just want to reach out I'm always here (laughs) and yeah this is season three so let's just do it I'm so happy you're here I'm so happy that you gave me your time today and I look forward to supporting you as much as I can I'll see you in the next episode bye